Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day and welcome to 2017! It is your first 2017 edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice and we are talking about your uh, uh, frozen animation. Han Solo uh, after, I don't know, what happened? He was frozen in carbide. That's the Blue Jays in, in this offseason. Just static, waiting at the market, I guess. But uh, despite the fact that literally nothing is going on other than a player changing his agent becomes big news. Uh, here we are, soldiering on, ready to talk about your Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, to do so, joining me. As always. As always. Yeah. As always. Old Reliable. Uh, old Reliable, Mr. James Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm glad you're doing well. <laughs> Happy New Year to you, sir. Happy New Year to you, indeed, and to the, uh, the fine listeners out there who are going to listen to us make busy work for the next half hour to 45 minutes or whatever it is that's okay there's there's always when nothing definitive has happened in terms of like books being closed there's always you know canvas there upon which we can scrawl our hopes and dreams only to have the accountants that run the blue jays stomp our hopes and dreams down and away um, even though the team has like $165 million payroll or something obnoxious like that. 65, 45? They say it's going to go to 165. That's what that's, that's what crazy. Has, Westhead heard. So, yeah. That's yeah. insane when you think about it. What's the, the luxury tax has gone up. But yeah. It's at like 190, 187, 192. It was 189 before. So, I'm dancing but, around it. I guess I don't know. But still. the J, I think it, it was like 2011, the Jays payroll was $70 million. Well, that's what happens when you trade all of your prospects, when you mortgage the future for a present that never arrives. <laughs> also, when MLB changes the CBA to stop giving you revenue sharing because you're in a big market, and you also get a whole ton of uh, new cash from the, the TV deal that they signed with uh, Fox and ESPN and TBS in the States. But still, Quite poor. <laughs> would have looked, looked awkward to, uh, to hoard all that cash. But they're still hoarding some. It's Rogers, after all. Well, because they are a large corporation, they are always on the hook for reasons that the payroll isn't higher. Uh, speaking of payroll, we are on your payroll. The listeners, our our friends and 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 supporters who support us through Patreon. Uh, Patreon is like a, a platform that allows the listeners to support the podcast, and they do and have for going on two years now. And for that, we are eternally grateful. If you want to join them, you can head over to patreon.com slash birdsallday and kick us a couple bucks a month to keep us moving and motivated and living in the style, as I always say, to which we've grown accustomed. And if you are a person who likes to have things direct to your feed or your phone or your computer or whatever it is, you can go over to iTunes. At, at that point, when you're there, you can give us a positive rating if you feel so inclined. Uh, you can give us a rating or a review, and it helps us out some way. Uh, we're sure of it. It's We're been... going to shoot up them, them iTunes charts, and, and, and it's all going to be because of the kindness of the listeners. And people people are will see... discover it'll just keep getting bigger and better. Absolutely. They're going to see our little logo there, uh, designed by Andrew Stoughton. And they'll say... <laughs> designed is a stretch, but... I got to get some of that. <laughs> that, to me, looks like compelling content. I will subscribe. It's better than the uh, weird, glossy headshots of different kinds of white men. So I will go with that one. Yeah, I don't. I don't imagine we're ever going to go with the weird glossy uh, headshots as the logo. Maybe, maybe one day. Spoiler alert. Maybe I guess. 
it'll be so. heavily filtered headshots of uh, guys like you and me. Uh, speaking of guys like you and me, guys like you and me don't run the Blue Jays. They're much smarter and more capable first people than you and I. Mm, uh, supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. Well, that's we are, uh, you know, bending to their will at every, every given opportunity. So, what are they doing? Are they waiting? Is, is, is the Jose Bautista dance? Let's start there. Because it's the endless saga. Yeah. It will not end. Are they just waiting out the Jose Bautista market? Is Jose Bautista waiting them out? Is, uh, like, what, what, what is, I mean, there has not been a lot of news around this other than, oh, the Phillies are interested, uh, or this team is interested. So, like, what's, what's the holdup? The hell I do guess. I know? I, yeah, I, it's a great question. Are they, are, are they serious about him? Like, is, uh, it seems like such an obvious fit. It seems like, you know, he's a guy that they should be able to get for a crazy bargain who could actually be pretty good next year, really. I mean, uh, obviously we know why his market has cratered a bit, but and part of it was because of last season and how, you know, not great he was, but he was still pretty good. Uh, but, you know, you keep hearing things about, I think Buster only said it or somebody said it this week, you know, he might be willing to do a one-year deal, but at a crazy salary. So... You know, you can you can understand them not jumping at that. They don't really have any need to jump uh, into Bautista's arms at this point because there's nobody else out there who's looking to to give him the kind of money that he wants. So they are free to uh, to keep that in their back pocket. But as we you know, as we learned perhaps with the uh, Edwin Encarnacion saga, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes playing hardball with guys doesn't work out for you. So it it it's interesting. That they wouldn't have, you know, done anything on this front yet. Uh, you see why in the fact that the, that that he hasn't signed with anybody else yet. But your uh, your question is is a big question for a reason because I I don't know if they're serious about Bautista or not. It, it seems like it makes too much sense. You would hope that they do that and not, you know, trade a couple guys for Jay fucking Bruce or whatever the hell else you know rumors we're hearing out there. Hopefully they have some, you know, a little bit of magic up their sleeve still. Uh, but I don't know. They have not. Uh, they've not really won the benefit of the doubt at this point uh, too much. They did last year. Obviously, they had a great winter. Uh, they were kind of playing with house money at this point. Now they're playing with their own money, and 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 I think a lot of their uh, a lot of their decisions are uh, going to be more deeply scrutinized and and have been, you know, rightfully so, and. You know, it, it's it's harder to see the goal. It wasn't. It's not as obvious what their goal is as it was last year because they really had no choice but to really push to make uh, to put a team together uh, that was going to you know uh, add to the success that they had in 2015. They they couldn't have torn that team down. Uh, they can't really right now either. But they're sort of a bit half pregnant, and and that's why it's hard to tell if they are serious about Bautista or not. I think that. Uh, Dave Cameron wrote something on Fangraphs today that that is very interesting to me. And you know, despite the fact, despite guys like you and I who talk about uh, trying to be immune to the narrative, and I think the narrative there's a narrative going around about Jose Bautista being old or being unlikable or whatever it is. I think that that there's a the aspect of there's a real glut of guys who do the things that he does as well right now. Uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before. Remember, everyone was going bananas for right-handed power. Got to get right-handed power. The mm-hmm. price for right-handed power is through the roof. Well, right now, 
There's a surplus. The National League home run leader and the American League home run leader are sitting there on the market for anyone who wants to pay them. One guy will cost you nothing, basically. And they're both just sitting there. You got Chris Carter out there. You got Trumbo. You got, you've got, uh, then you got Jose Bautista. Then you've got all these, uh, a whole other group of guys, you know, with, on the other side of the plate. You've got Lynn. You've got Saunders. You've got, you know, potentially Bruce, potentially Granderson. Guys who can do, again, a lot of power, not a lot else, not a lot of mobility. So, well, see, but that's you know, the that, difference that's... with Bautista, right? He does mm-hmm. he does do that thing where he doesn't strike out three hundred times a season and and you know walks a shit ton and gives you a huge mm-hmm. on base percentage. I mean, he he's well, a, no. he has another dimension that those guys don't. And I, I, I that's that's a great point. The the point being that Jose Bautista's value, I think, is being, um, you know, the the suppression or the pressure, the down pressure that it's feeling or that's been exerting exerted upon it. I think is overstated. And I don't think that anyone in baseball is under any great delusion that he is on par with those other guys just because he's older. He's a better player than all of those other people. Yeah. And and as Cameron wrote today at Fangraphs, signing Bautista could, in, in, in a lot of ways, save the Blue Jays' offseason. Because he's the best player who's freely available or possibly available without taking on another ton of salary now and in the future. I mean, there, there right now there are two different sets of projections that are out there for Bautista, and they love him. They love him, and and they uh, and again, Cameron made the point that Bautista's worst season, 2016, was as good as Jay Bruce's best ever season. So it's not a matter; it's not a tit for tat. It's not like one guy's going to replace the other. One guy's going to come in and offer a pale, left-handed, shitty version of. The best player to ever wear the jersey. So hey, but at yeah. least but at least you get Melvin Upton in that platoon with Bruce. So you get the same guy from the other side of the plate. One of them who can play a little bit of defense and run the bases, and Jay Bruce who can do almost nothing. I don't know. It's just uh, you know we've been up and down and inside and outside of this whole Bautista thing, being that. The, the benefits of bringing him back are significant. The drawbacks of bringing him back on a long-term basis are obvious. The potential of cratering and destroying uh, all the goodwill that he's built up, being you know this amazing player at the forefront of all these amazing moments, whatever. I think now there's a, there's you know despite him being kind of overlooked and maybe and, and people kind of keying on Edwin Encarnacion, it seems like right now a lot of Jays fans just really want them to resign him. They want something to happen. And that's something they want is to re-sign Jose Bautista. You, well, and I don't yeah. think they're wrong in wanting that. No, they they wouldn't have been wrong in wanting that a long time ago. Throughout this whole process, you know, it uh, it is it's remarkable to think of where the market's gone and what 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 we would have thought a year ago if it's like oh you could, the Jays could have Bautista for for how much for one year and twenty million dollars or whatever you know whatever his asking price may have fallen to at this point or at least we're supposed to believe uh, that would have been crazy. I mean, it would it it, it would be a huge it would take them from a, the losers of the offseason or one of them to a, to a genuinely winning good offseason to land Bautista at the right price uh for the right number of years and the fact that they're hesitant to do it uh is getting really frustrating for people except for the the clowns who are like oh get rid of Bautista he's he's a jerk it's like yeah, you made two straight ALCSs with the guy you made two straight ALCSs with the guy playing right field as your primary right fielder mm-hmm. uh, as much as you don't like his defense or you don't like 
him on the base pads or his attitude or whatever, it, you you can be a very good team with him on it and not dis- in spite of him, because of him, because he's a fucking great hitter and, and it's it's odd. But I, like I say, it, it speaks to the fact that there's nobody else out there who wants to take him on either. So I don't know why... Why not wait a little bit? Why not wait till he his price comes down even more? I, uh, the only reason I guess is because you're afraid you're going to get burned. Uh, you know the Irvin Santana kind of a situation. You you would hate to see that. Uh, or because well, you are, they already rushed. Trade. They already rushed out to set the market, as they say in um, a movie that I watched the other day. Uh, <laughs> oh, the Perfect Storm. I watched oh, the Perfect my Storm. God. I, it was it was interesting. <laughs> Have you I watched did, it recently? I, I did. I think. I think I hate watched it a little while ago. Uh, Is it? it I, I just. There were, <laughs> I just what? thought the the dudes on a boat portion of that movie are are, are wonderful. William Victor, John C. Riley, and all that. Mm-hmm, Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I could never get over the '60s era Batman style shot at the end where it's like they're they just turn the camera on its side to show that the boat is you know now vertically going up the wave it just it looks like Batman and Robin are crawling up the side of a building with the camera turned on its side. I think the more antiquated part of that movie is the soundtrack like is the score it, it, I, I talked I don't know if I talked I talked about it on Twitter but I watched rounders again and it's just old enough that there is like a constant swelling string musical score that like is trying to tell you how to feel all the time oh, the and worst. it's really in your face and it's, really it's distracting it, yeah i was it's distracting because it's definitely just gone out of style the other part of that movie uh the per- perfect storm which is the whole first like hour of the movie is like a long funeral for these guys who are about to die where you're watching it and i'm like come on like this is ridiculous why are you giving this guy <laughs> this like, this prolonged pre-funeral um but then there are other parts of it that are um Entertaining, uh, Clooney and 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 Mark Wahlberg and whoever else, but uh, the Jays rushed to the forefront of the market. They, uh, to, as I said, set the market. They signed uh, Kendrick Morales. They didn't want to miss out on their guy, uh, and and now they're almost doing the opposite with Bautista. They're waiting for their guy to come to them, uh, which I guess. Which I think they would say assuming, by design, right? I think yeah, they rushed that yeah. market so that they could then sit back, you know, say we got the, you know, something covered. I, you could question the judgment of that. I think yeah. a lot of people would. I don't know if you read the Jonah Carey piece this week, uh, but he certainly has some thoughts on that Morales contract. Uh, understandably so, on account of how, you know, it's kind of bad. Uh, and and three years seems like a lot, especially when you see where the market has gone. But, you know, there's it, a lot tough. of... If you didn't have that information at the time you made the signing. I think no, it's true. It's good. And there, there's a lot of impulse to, you know, mock... You know, oh, just add the add the wars, add the wars. You get two wins here and three wins here and three wins there. You put them together, but I think you could kind of do that math with you're paying three guys the same amount of money as as Encarnacion is getting, but he's going to be much worse, or like he's much better than those three guys would be. And now you've still got extra roster spots yeah. if you're not paying <laughs> Spoke and Pierce and and Morales. Again, yeah. we've been over this. We've been over this a hundred times. Uh, the fact of the matter is, the Blue Jays are not any closer to. Uh, having a finalized roster going into the season. And that's okay. Uh, with a Bautista out there, they could always make something happen in the, in the outfield. And, and actually what, excuse me, what I did, I went to, to Twitter and to Facebook and asked some questions of our of the Twitter following. So we'll, we'll do one more, one more thing real quick and then we'll get to these questions and uh, we'll tackle those head on. Uh, the other thing, of course, Stoughton, we'll leave the Bautista thing aside because again, it's we're just doing, filling the air with the same sort of talk we've, Filled it for since you know October eighteenth or whatever day <laughs> Basically, it was. Basically, yeah. 
Um, Aaron Sanchez switches his representation to the Boris Corporation, uh, which during this most vacuous, uh, you know, air is absent time of year, that is now filling that vacuum mm -hmm. uh, of content. So people are trying to make a big deal out of it, which is probably not worth making a big deal out of, is it? It really is not, yeah. It's not like he didn't have an agent two days ago and now he does. I mean, he always had somebody on his behalf who was trying to, you know, uh, get him the best contract and get him, you know, the agent getting himself the biggest piece of the pie, right? I mean, that's how this works. Uh, and the thing I'll say yeah. about Boris, you know, there's uh, Boris, I think, is great for the game. I'm, I'm, I'm pro players and not ownership. I wish he worked as hard, you know, he should work for the minor league players. Get them paid, for fuck's sakes. But that's mm -hmm. not, you know, that's not his fucking problem. But uh, but what I'll say about him is that people seem to think like, oh, now now Sanchez has this diabolical guy in his ear who's going to insist that he hits free agency and doesn't, you know, doesn't sign any kind of hometown discount and they're going to have to trade him. And it's like, well, no, it, it, you kind of have it backwards. I mean, you don't, Boris doesn't come in and put those ideas in your head. You have those ideas and then you're going to Boris, right? I mean, this is, if, if Aaron that's Sanchez is going to Scott Boris... That's because he's already thinking, I, I, you know, who I should have on my side is Scott Boris. This isn't a, this isn't the corrupting of a young superstar by this dirty agent who, you know, just wants to be good at his job. Uh, Aaron Sanchez just hops off the bus. He just hops off the bus in 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 Los Angeles. He was terrific in his uh, hometown <laughs> presentation of Oklahoma. And now he's going to make his make his go of it in Los Angeles. And there's oily skinned Boris Scott Boris, <laughs> preying on his insecurities, being like, "I can get you in front of all the right producers." No, you're absolutely right. It's not as though you say, "Hmm, I want to sign like one of those Jose Quintana, Car, uh, you know, Chris Sale, uh, even you know a John Lester or a, uh, a Ricky Romero kind of pre pre uh, free agency contract." Bring me Scott Boris. He's the man who's going to get me the best price for my three years of arbitration. No, that's not how that works. That, you, you've made a fine point. The other side of that is Scott Boris is trying to get the most for his clients based on their wishes. But he also, he also wants to do what's best for them because that's what they hire him for. Mm -hmm. get, help me get the best deal for me. And if you're Steven Strasberg, a longtime Scott Boris client, that means you sign a seven-year extension before you hit free agency. Because that's what you wanted to do, and the and the and the numbers were right, and you and the team were able to come together. It's not as though he's dragging these guys into free agency, kicking and screaming. Mm -hmm. He's doing Beltre, his job. Beltre as well, right? He's Boris Clint, and he he re-upped mid-year when he you know, was go, going to be a free agent this winter. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Boris saw that market better than some other players' uh, agents. Though I think Beltre, being a, a third baseman, was a, you know Hall of Fame level player and defender uh, probably would have spared him the fate of Encarnacion and Batista but but yeah and then and there there are others uh, I didn't look too hard and it was not easy to find others who you know chose not to go to free agency I think Ryan Madsen years ago was one of them but but like yeah the, that he's there to to get them what they want it's not about Whatever they, that might it's, be. Yeah, it's not. It's not that they've just consigned themselves to letting him dictate everything for them. And besides, it's not as though it matters. God damn it! The way the Blue Jays treated him in 2016, he's cooked. 
Aaron Sanchez <laughs> is not even going to see 2020. If he lives to 2020, I'll be surprised. You've you've been listening to some of that uh, Jay's Talk program, haven't you? I heard his, his arm's going to just fall right off. You ride him hard and you put him away <laughs> wet. Flags fly forever. The only thing that flies above the flag are Aaron Sanchez's tattered tendons and ligaments and uh, and labrum, shoulders, and muscles. Speaking right, of let's injuries, move on. Speaking of injuries, mm-hmm. before we move on, mm-hmm. uh, there is also this Marco Estrada thing. Who's back what's wrong is, with Marco Estrada? His back is still hurting him, so he's not going to pitch for Mexico in the WBC. Well, so that's. Uh, I would take it a bit more seriously if it wasn't the WBC, which unfortunately, <laughs> everybody's to the chagrin of John John Morosi, they just piss all over at yeah. every opportunity they get. What's wrong with Joey Votto? Joey Votto didn't make an out in the second half of the season. He's like, oh, I got some things I got to work yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> Joey Votto, the guy who goes up in spring training, that amazing story on, on the Canadian Baseball yeah, Network Alexis, that Alexis yeah, yeah. Pernicki wrote. Was <laughs> was like, he's like, I'm going to hit 10 balls into the opponent dugout. And then he does it and goes home smiling, 0 for 4. Yeah, I'm happy. Oh, Joey Votto forever. The best. The greatest. I asked a question today. You don't care about this. Uh, everyone else who might listen to might. Is Joey Votto going to go to the Hall of Fame one day? I don't. I hope so, but I was waiting for the other people to respond. Yeah, I, I would think so. He's really fucking good, like ridiculously so. But the bar for anybody first baseman, care? As, as Carlos Delgado will attest, is very high. Mm. But uh, but Votto, Jesus has has passed that bar. I, I think once, I think once people, you know, mm. once some of the old the old ones die off, and people are are you know looking less at the RBIs, which has already started to happen, and they've already made these changes that are you know. Uh, cutting back people and mm-hmm. uh, uh, taking away their vote. Not that I listen or read about the fucking Hall of Fame because I don't give mm-hmm. a shit. But but had I been somebody who did that, these are the things I might be saying. I, I think the, the, the voter uh, roles will change enough uh, by the time he's eligible that it should be fine. Unless there's a backlog of like 20 steroid guys still, which is going to make the whole thing a mess. Or ideally, unless it's by then... Uh, at the bottom of the sea where it belongs frankly no it'll be interesting to see i mean he is he is right now i think he's i was looking at it today his career excuse me his career rate of weighted runs created plus is 157 <laughs> for his career which is like like jamie fox um like you know we're talking top 25 top 30 ever of guys with 5,000 plate appearances but he still has to decline and if he declines steeply Without all kinds of fun counting stats, without like a preponderance of home runs, uh, he could go the way of like a guy, uh, Jason Giambi. Right? Like, who do you think mm-hmm. is more likely to go to the Hall of Fame, Jason Giambi or Jim Tomey? Right? Like, I don't think, that, I can't see them both going. Uh, and, but Tomey is, you know. He's got the 500. He's got. He's got 600. Right. Which is bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but yeah. Votto's not going to get that. He's not going to get any of that shit. So, but anyway, future Blue Jay Joey Votto. We'll talk about him when he gets traded. Uh, we'll go to the questions now. We'll go. We got a bunch, uh, probably more than I expected, frankly. But uh, uh, we'll talk real quick. Uh, here's the, the first couple of talks. One from Gruber's Mullet and another guy uh, named Craig Caper Craig talking about the draft pick. So the draft pick thing is the the Bautista um, uh, variable that that we can't ignore. So uh, you know Gruber's Mullet wants to know like how low does his price have to slip before the Jays are willing to forego that. That uh, that that first round pick, uh, and Craig is wondering about um, how many guys have ever who with a qualifying offer ever ended up signing only one year deals. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Ian Desmond; he signed one last year, right? He had that cudgel 
hanging around, <laughs> hanging over his head. And yeah. Brad Anderson, I think he signed one-year deal coming out of the, the qualifying offer. Did he not? But uh, Or did he accept it? I, yeah. But anyway. Uh, but, like, yeah. So is uh, is Jose Bautista even susceptible, even subject to that qualifying offer tax if he re-signs with the Blue Jays? Is the question. Yeah, uh, is he subject to the tax? Sorry. Yeah, like as in as in like is his are his potential earnings even with the Blue Jays going to be affected by the fact that the Jays are going to miss out on a first round pick? Oh yeah, I think for sure. I mean, I wrote a little about this the other week. Uh, you know, looking at old stuff done by the Hardball Times about trying to place a dollar value on a draft pick, and and, mm-hmm. and it, it basically worked out. You know, because people people love to say it's easy to say it. it, it you know. A lot of busts in the draft. You know, it's not the hockey draft. There's lots of busts in that draft, too. Uh, but, yeah, it, it you know, you, you look at a draft pick, you're like, yeah, but a lot of them don't work out. Uh, most of them don't work out. There's all the, you know, and you could go through the litany of names, especially, you know, in the first round. You're not guaranteed anything out of that. But you can quantify it to a degree. You can look at the bust rates. You can look at the average war per... Uh, per slot in the draft, and they, mm-hmm. all the hardball times basically did that, broke it all down, gave a penalty for the fact that it's future war and not uh, and not immediate war because it's you know it's a win now is worth more than a potential win in the future, and factored mm-hmm. all that in and said that you know a pick in the in the range that the Jays were looking at was worth you know they translated it, it into war and into it, you know it was about one win so on the market that's about eight million dollars right now so that's kind of the penalty mm-hmm. you're paying for Bautista. So you add that on to whatever uh, you're paying him, and then you have to look at you know how much you know if you're framing it through war, I guess you know how how many wins do we get out of Bautista for what we're paying him plus that eight million dollars versus how much we can get by spreading our money around elsewhere. I I don't know that that's you know I think there's more complexity to it than that because like we were talking about before with roster spots that's obviously you know the fact that you could get that out of one roster spot is better than you know piecing it together through mm-hmm. two and three because you have a finite number of those uh, but I think that's sort of the way that that that, that teams will end up probably looking at it uh, I, I can't say for sure but that there is basically the bottom line is that there's a way that you could probably quantify it there's a way that the Jays are probably quantifying what that's worth and are factoring it into what they think it's worth paying Bautista given that penalty. And so I, I think, I think that's absolutely there. I think the fact that, you know, it's, it's uh it's not a real, they're not giving up their draft pick. They are giving up a draft pick. And I think that makes it as tangible for them as for anybody else. So yeah, I mean, the, the draft pick is, is, is hurting him. And I'm sure that other teams are, are viewing it that way as well. And other teams have, you know, different calculations in terms of what they think the, the pick is worth. Uh, there are different points on their, you know, competitive window. You know, the Blue Jays are obviously really focused on, you know, four or five years down the line or whatever the hell it is. Uh, that the, the draft pick and rebuilding the farm system really means a lot to them right now, whereas it might not if you are the Dodgers or though their, you know, their farm system being as great as it is, or if you're the, uh, the Red Sox or you know, there, there's other teams that have other considerations. So that's why you know the market. It, it's not, it's not obvious. It's there, it's fluid, but yeah, I think that that's. That's what's going on there. I think the draft pick is absolutely uh, a thing that's impacting him and a thing that should be impacting him. There's no real way to overstate how much getting production from players who are making the minimum helps everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you get a win, if you get one win out of a guy for the three years he makes the minimum, one, one win a year, 
even if you have a one win yeah. so that's a below average player so if you have a guy who you draft in the first round and you give him two million bucks or whatever it is and then he gets his, gets to the big leagues and is like kind of okay and whatever and gives you a win here and a win there and a win there in the first three years you've paid him like four million dollars for what is worth you know on the market or at fair market value what like 25 million dollars yeah, yeah. Right, like there's no replacing that, and you don't have to look any further than the Red Sox to see yeah, a team absolutely. that's able to do that. They have all these pieces making nothing, so they can afford to take on salary. They can afford to have Pablo Sandoval sit around and do nothing for a year, or even, and then him get hurt on top of that. They can afford to 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 gamble and and take on salary in the form of Chris Sale, limited as the salary might be, because they've got guys like that they can give away who are incredibly valuable to a team like the White Sox. I don't know. We don't need to get into the Red Sox again, but those young young players are so valuable because they make so little relative to what they're capable of producing. So yeah, there's no way to. I don't know the number, but yeah, it, I you agree. Can't trigger you trigger nose you, up at, at the draft. No. it is a valuable commodity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple seasons. Uh, a couple questions. A good question from uh, not really Laser. Laser wants to know: Would the offseason uh, feel less like a failure if they went all in on either rebuild? Or a teardown, or free, like rebuild slash teardown, or free agencies. There's, there's a bunch of that, a couple of questions like that. Like, is it time to blow it up? Uh, or, or should they really make a push and, and kind of make a move? I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think blowing it up is a, is a realistic option right now. No, because I you're don't. Not, you're not going to get value for any of the, the things that are your kind of hindrances right now anyway. It's, and I don't know if, I don't know if this was in Jonah Carey's piece or if it was somebody pointed this out to him after the fact but it's a you know it's like the orioles how it's like oh they didn't do enough this winter every year they kind of just sort of are papering over what -hmm. doesn't seem to be a good enough roster and are managing to find ways to make it work uh maybe that's the kind of thing that they're trying to do for a couple years while they while they you know get a better pipeline of prospects coming into this into the system and into the you know filtering up to the big league team uh i i don't know but yeah i think you're right that that as much as we've talked about, and I, I especially have talked about the idea of them the tearing it down or, or looking towards a teardown, uh, you just, I mean, they just can't right now. They, they, they literally just could like, I mean, just for what it would, the damage it would do to the already uh, uneasy relationship between the front office and the fans and the fans and the brand as much as though. I, I mean, I say that though. I also would say that, I mean, I think they've shown, the fans have shown that you put a winner on the field and they'll and they'll show up. And as much as they want to to posture like, oh well, they're I'm done if they don't if they don't do it if they re, if they rebuild if they don't sign these guys if they have if this is all their offseason is I'm done. Uh, no, you'll probably come back when they start winning again. Oh, you'll for sure come back. And, don't kid yourself. <laughs> so so I don't know if they need to worry too much about that, but it it's I I don't think that would have been I, I don't think that would have been tenable and obviously the free agent stuff you know going all in on free agents i think i think that would have been smart i think it would have been great uh if they had the budget but they don't they don't they aren't given that budget i was was thinking the other day it's funny actually what is the what happens if they had done that last year if they had gone after david price they really wouldn't have been as good this year because they didn't you know they would price you know especially in the first half not as good as hap and estrada uh you know, you can. I'm sure David Price is better than those guys, but you know what I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, and then they have all this money locked up. You're certainly not. Uh, 
you, you know you've already ri- uh, written off the opportunity most likely to long to sign Edwin and Jose long term uh just because all that extra you know an extra 30 million dollars per year is committed to price uh I don't know it's interesting it would have been it, it would have been a very uh for all the people that are that were then insisting that that's what they needed to do and it was an affront to their fandom and a, and a horrible horrible thing it might have pushed them into the rebuild stage a little faster, even if they had a bad first half. If they had Bautista and Encarnacion looking at free agency, uh, you know, if the if if Price and whoever else they managed to get to uh, to fill out that rotation hadn't you know hadn't performed up to up to what the they got out of Estrada and Hap, mm-hmm. uh, it, I don't know. It, it's 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 a funny what if parallel universe thing. I don't think that answers anything to do with the question well, about no, whether I... they should have this, done it this year, but. I think last year is a good example of you don't have to do one or the other. You don't have to sell out to remain competitive. If you can make a shrewd pickup, obviously one that worked out as well as you could ever hope in terms of Hap and then and also Estrada. But you can you can make incremental moves to improve the team and still be competitive if you have a like a sober kind of clear eyed look at what you have on hand. And you don't have to go bananas and throw money at people who uh, you know throw good money after bad or, or just try to buy those mar those last few wins that suddenly get extra expensive and extra elusive you don't have to do that you can still this team right now you can sign jose bautista or you can make even get like a a, a granderson or whomever else the team isn't they're not bad they're still fine are they as good on paper as the red sox no but they weren't last year either but they played they played more games in 2016 than the red sox did mm. The Red Sox went out, and the Blue Jays went on, which isn't to say that that's the only that's the measure of success for the year. But shit happens. There's five wild card teams or five playoff teams. You know, the Jays are not as good as the Red Sox, but you know they're probably they're not as good as Houston. They're not as good as uh, what's that good team in the Central? The the Clevelands, the Cleveland something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But then you start, you know, are they better than Texas still? Yeah, uh, are they better than Baltimore still? I mean, yeah, they're, are they better yeah. than the Angels? Probably. Yeah. Angels are going to surprise. I'm going to keep saying it until it doesn't happen. <laughs> Mariners might be all right. Oh fuck them! They're trash. I'm not saying they're not trash, but they they might be all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you say, but to your point, mm-hmm. okay, they're not as good as the Red Sox, but they're still they're still in position to have a very good season without blowing their brains out. Uh, signing all the free agents and dooming themselves to, you know, a half decade of being the Phillies. Well, and and you know, I'm gonna we, we've got too many questions and not enough time to answer them now. But you know, you look at the big topic last year. This time was the bullpen. There were so much hand wringing over the state of the bullpen, and then they brought in Drew Storen, and that was thought to be the ideal fix. But you can make those moves as the season goes along. You can you can find a Grilly and a and a Benoit and a Mark Lowe and a whoever else that's going to kind of keep you afloat uh, because the season is long and you have lots of opportunities to find out what you've got for guys to kind of kind of rise, guys to fall, people to fall into your lap. Kind of the you know the Jason Grilly we talk about Morales and kind of setting the market. The Jays rushed out, and they they got Grilly when he was going to get DFA'd. They they made it a priority to get him, and then he was he was amazing, right? It doesn't mean he's going to be that way again, but I just think that it, you know there's so much of this, so much emphasis of getting all your ducks in a row For a immediately, and then yeah. sitting back and waiting and be like, well, it's now we're just going to stroll into October. 
Yeah, it doesn't work that. Yeah, well, it doesn't work like nobody's that. roster looks the same on opening day as it does on mm. October first. Let alone January the fourth or whatever day today. Exactly. Is. Yeah. Um, one guy, JDJ, is on about selling high on Jay Happ, maybe trading him to the Pirates in exchange for yeah, I've Andrew McCutcheon. I've tweeted with this guy, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why the Pirates would do that, frankly. I don't know that that's a, that's a. I mean, if I'm the Pirates, I might look for a little bit of insurance for for Garrett Cole, but you're basically paying Happ and McCutcheon like their salaries are not too different, and Happ is is a nice player, but McCutcheon. I don't know. I, I don't think that the Pirates would be too interested in that. You're going to start to really o- overpay and also weakening your team while making a win-now move. I, I can't see that being something that I would pursue particularly hard. I wouldn't if I was the Jays either. Yeah. I, I uh, mean, and people, there have been a lot of this, and there is every year, you know, okay, we have five starters. Trade. We'll, we'll trade one and we'll we'll sign somebody, some back-end starter, and we'll be fine. It's like, uh, the Jays have been really really healthy in the rotation the last couple of years mm-hmm. uh it's easy to forget the the you know the seasons of matt boyd and ramon ortiz and all sorts mm-hmm. of uh, terrible 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 <laughs> pitchers that we've seen start games for this team and that have you know it happens a little bit every year but the, generally in, in 2015 and 2016 they've been very healthy the stroman thing aside uh and sanchez for a bit there when he you know uh, in, in 2015 as well uh but yeah, yeah, they they need starting pitching depth. You can't just look. Oh, we got five starters. Well, if we have one more, then mm-hmm. we can move one. It, it's like, oh God, no! Mm-hmm. You, you're really you're really playing with fire if you do that. And and the as thing tempting was... as it could be, I mean, I don't think they're better off having, you know, going after a Tyson Ross or going after a, a Hamill mm-hmm. and 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 then moving one of their really good starters. I don't. Even if I don't it's for a McCutcheon. I don't like the idea of, of, of backfilling your rotation with depth as opposed to maybe stacking it on top. And I will again reference the Red Sox, who, by acquiring a guy like Chris Sale or anyone like that, they now have you know Pomerantz and Stephen Wright and Clay Buckles, who then they can they can make a move on to to drop a bit of salary. But like that's not necessarily hurting their team because they did have the depth to be able to make that move. Where I don't know that the Blue Jays necessarily do. Um, uh, we uh, Matt Sullivan, Sporkless, a regular uh, tweeter, uh, a dude, good man uh, on on Twitter. He is um, he he makes the Ruben Amaro. The are the Jays just determined to not become the Phillies, you know, of this decade? And I think that that's not a bad idea. <laughs> it's not a bad idea to avoid doing what the Phillies did and hanging on for those extra few years too long. But then he also has, do you, are you, do you feel like endorsing my unfounded conspiracy theory that MLB teams are colluding this winter, 1980s style? Uh, I would if all the players who are still on the, on the market were not the same. It would be a lot, if, if there were like good players or different players or diverse players who were sitting around, but it's a lot of the same kind of guy. So that to me is why all those guys are sitting and waiting. Because it's, all it's going to take is one, you know, one, uh, one domino to fall. And then everyone's going to start to scramble, being like, "Oh my God, we missed out on Trumbo, and Bautista is not going to be the right guy for us." So, uh, Chris Carter, or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, and it, it honestly, I mean, we shouldn't overlook the effect of the fact that the luxury tax didn't go up as much as a lot of teams uh, mm-hmm. were maybe expecting it to. You know, you really, you didn't. You know, Boston has spent so much money over the last few years, they and they have so many spots on their damn roster filled already that 
you know, Boston wasn't a real big spender. The Yankees are in a rebuilding-ish kind of phase or whatever the hell they're mm-hmm. doing. So even though they went for Chapman, they, they weren't throwing a lot of money around. The Tigers are dog shit. Uh, and they they don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, those are three real big players, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did the Nationals do anything this this winter? You know, there there are teams that usually go out and spend and would create you know bigger markets for some of these guys that just uh, weren't interested and weren't out there just because just because of the luxury tax, just because of where they are in their in terms of the evolution of their roster. Uh, and so that, you know, that's what's really, I think, impacted a lot of those markets and made it look like that. Because, yeah, it, it is so strange to see Encarnacion getting so little, to see Bautista still sitting out there and talking about one-year contracts, you know, like less than you know, 10 months after being like, I'm thinking $150 million over six years. And now it's like, come on, guys, just give me 20 for a year and I'll try this again next winter. Um, but, yeah, I think it's... It, it, it sucks, and people people find it very unsatisfying, especially you know going back to the Encarnacion thing to think, you know, well it's your job to know how this is you know going to play out, and 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 you just you don't sometimes. It's just that's that's how the market goes sometimes, and I think that's uh, that's it might it might look like something nasty's going on, but yeah, I don't think there is. No, I don't think so. Uh... There's no collusion when Kendrys Morales is getting three year fucking thirty three million dollar deals. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the so a lot of the other questions are what are the Jays doing? Why aren't they doing anything? What's going on? And again, a lot, a lot of it is unfortunately they're they're uh, hurrying up, hurrying up and waiting. Uh, well, when are they going to sign Bautista? Hopefully soon. Hopefully uh, not. Be their top. Hopefully not between the time we finish recording this podcast. And yeah. I come home later and edit it and post it. Be- uh, hope. Well, why is this all? Is it, is this all Justin Smoke's fault? And I think that's fair to say. <laughs> uh, all of this is, in fact, Justin Smoke's part. Uh, uh, Jeff Lewis, uh, Papa Lou, wants to know, do you think the Jays have any interest in retaining Marco Estrada or Francisco Liriano uh, beyond 2017? That's a fair question. Uh, I, I think that the performance of, of Liriano is so up in the air that obviously you're going to wait and see. You're going to take as much of this year to figure that out as you can. And Estrada, uh, you know, you've got, when you factor in health and, what I deem to be like a razor thin margin for error. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe you want to hurry up and wait, or, or kind of sit back and wait and, and play it a little bit safe uh, with a team that is again um, getting older in some parts and not necessarily ideally positioned to become younger. Although we have been criticized for being too harsh on the Blue Jays farm system, which is entirely fair. Uh, which is a reminder, uh, remind me, Anthony Alford. Uh, terrible thing happened to his family there. They lost their home in uh, Mississippi. Uh, there's a GoFundMe that is around to uh, help Anthony Alford's family. Uh, look it up online, Anthony Alford GoFundMe. Look it up. Uh, I believe it's called Petal in Mississippi. That's the, the city where, where he lives or the town where he lives. So if you have if you have money to give to us, you got some money to give to Anthony Alford. Again, these minor leaguers, they don't make a lot. So it'd be great if, any, if all of us could help uh, Alford out. Uh, in this time of need. Uh, anything else? That's about it. Is it worth to, uh, people talk about, again, is, is trading Donaldson the best way to start a rebuild? Well, yeah, that'll fucking do it all right. Trading Josh Donaldson will be the, the sign that maybe they're going for a rebuild. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the piece, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm I sort of talking out my ass on this because I don't know what, but I, I is he is he an off-season kind of trade guy? Like, I, I like, like, 
they'll put feelers out in July when they do the great teardown and Liriano and Estrada get traded, but they probably won't trade him in July. It's probably more of an October move. Yeah, for sure. November. Yeah. Because that he's the kind of player that you want to have all 30 teams ready for because you don't because the Diamondbacks aren't going to trade for him in July. But when they're going out of their mind with setting money on fire and looking around being like, I think we're a Zach Greinke away. Uh, you want to be ready to pounce <laughs> on whatever the Diamondbacks are willing to offer up. Yeah, uh, We're going on long enough. You have a place to be. Do you have, a, do you have any parting shots? Anything you want to mention on the way out? No. No? No. I, uh, I have one real quick one. Uh, about It's about reaping what you sow. Uh, I don't know if everyone listening, uh, or and you, I, I believe so, and you know what Buns is, Buns Trading sure Zone. Sure do, yeah. So Buns is like a Facebook-based um, like swap meet where people trade what is literal, almost literal shit, uh, just garbage and stuff they don't need from their house anymore, and they put it on Buns, and maybe you get to make a cute little trade. So uh, people, it's not supposed to be for cash transactions. Again, I'm sure they're, almost everyone knows, but usually you can trade little, you can trade fun things. People trade subway tokens here in Toronto. People trade uh, craft beer. People trade uh, what is colloquial known as 420 is, is a bit of a, a, a currency on buns. So I ha- I got a new TV at Christmas, and then I was ready to get rid of my old one. So I'm like, I'll put it on buns, see what happens. And I wanted literally nothing for it. And I put it up there, and I was like, hey, you know, this is your craft beer, whatever. And uh, lo and behold, some guy, a big Blue Jays fan, as it turns out, as I like, creeped around on his Facebook page, <laughs> he was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll take that, that TV. I'm like, oh, it's 10 years old. This is, it works fine, but it's, it's an old TV. It weighs a million pounds. He's like, yeah, yeah, cool. So he came today uh, and he was like, yeah, it's some craft beer is fine. And I said, yeah, yeah. So he, he gave me a bag of beer, which is amazing. And I gave him an old TV. And I bring the beer up and bless him. And I'm not looking a gift horse in the, horse in the mouth. But after all of my complaining, it's like all the hoppiest shit you could ever imagine uh some very fine products products i will not uh, demean well also i will not name them because these are all ideal uh sponsors of this podcast so if you run a hop mad oh, brewery we'll like hops the, real fast if you do we yeah. could change our tune i have all this uh, product to sample so when you write sessionable ipa on your beer and i'm like literally grinning and bearing it like oh it's not so bad uh, but that's where it is. That's where I am. I got all this hoppy beer and, and uh, a good one, that darker one that I do like uh, quite a bit. But but you know what? Ill-gotten gains. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm better for it no matter what. And I'm going to spread my wings and expand my horizons drinking this pine cone in the nose bullshit all night long. <laughs> Uh, that's it. Hopefully, we'll do another one of these. We'll do another one of these next week. Hopefully, there's something to talk about, like the, the new Blue Jays right fielder, for example, or a center fielder, or left fielder. We could talk about that next week. That's that's where we're go- that's where we are in the offseason, comparing Kevin Pillar to Odubel Herrera and Ender Inciarte. Being like, Jesus is he an extension Christ. candidate? Yeah. Uh, let's before hit, let's that, hit first, Kevin. Hmm. Let's hit. Let's hit a little bit first. Neither of those two fucking guys can hit. Yeah, it's true. Before we do the is Kevin Pillar an extension candidate discussion, I have an important meeting in which I need to hug and kiss many, many, many different poisonous snakes. Uh, And then when that's over, then we can talk about extending Kevin Pillar. That's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Welcome to 2017. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of this calendar year, which means nothing. Nothing is really different this week from last. But anyway, for Andrew Stoughton, my name is Drew Ferris. Thank you. Talk to you next time on Birds All Day.
Until I